Well, hello. How are you? And welcome. I am good. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, this is my maiden broadcast on Anchor, and I've invited one of the, the best and most exciting guests that you could have uh, to talk about education success, and that is Stephen Bowler. So thank you very much for coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about this. This is great. Excellent. Excellent. So we're going to be sharing going back and forth, answering questions, and I'll have my input as well. But I think education today is such an important issue, especially as we're facing uh, a lot of different type of education today in the midst of uh, COVID-19 and all the challenges of sending students home and what that's meant. Uh, but we still want to promote education success because I think that that's important for the, in the lives of our students. So I just wanted to ask you to start off, um, Steve, by giving you some background. My background, yes. So uh, my name is Steve Bowler, and I am in New Jersey, uh, southern New Jersey specifically, and anybody knows Jersey, I'm in southern New Jersey. And um, my background, I started off as a, an art teacher, actually. I, I did art, pre-K to third grade art, uh, little tiny guys. Uh, in Lawrenceville, uh, went to Kutztown University in Pennsylvania and art education. I was very fortunate to get a job right out of college. So I did that for several years, uh, about seven years. Then I moved on as a uh, curriculum supervisor, visual performing arts uh, in the same district just for a little bit. And then I got my first assistant principalship uh, at uh, Gloucester Township Schools in Lower South Jersey area uh, at a middle school. So I uh, cut my teeth in administration in, uh, in middle school, I was there for a couple of years. Great, great district, great experience. Uh, from there, I got my first principalship at, uh, in Willingboro uh, School District. I became a principal of an uh, elementary school, pre-K to five. Uh, wonderful experience. Learned a great deal uh, about uh, administration, how to be an administrator, having your own building, the responsibilities that that, uh, that carries. Made some mistakes, but learned from those mistakes, which was great. Um, and then uh, they had a redistricting, uh, and in that redistricting, they moved me. They unfortunately had to close my my school uh, because of the location of it. It was the, the location they had to redistrict. It, was just, it made sense. I couldn't even argue with myself. Mm -hmm. um, and so I moved to a. Uh, they created an upper elementary building, uh, fifth and sixth grade. So I became the principal there for one year, and then I moved on to uh, Mount Laurel School District, where I became a uh, principal of their upper elementary school, uh, which was fifth and sixth grade as well. Uh, I was there for eight years. That's the bulk of my administrative experience there. Um, did some amazing things there. That was just, I loved everything about it. You know, two grades, fifth and sixth grade only. Uh, at one point, our biggest amount, we had 1,100 kids, uh, two grades. So it was a nice size building. Good stuff happened there. Left there became the assistant superintendent of schools in Hamilton Township, Mercer County. That's in the middle of the state there. Um, I was there and I quickly became the acting superintendent there. Uh, I was there for two years time. And then I moved on and I did some work within the charter world. Uh, I oversaw several charter schools within the state of New Jersey. So I was the superintendent of those charters. Now, during my time as a uh, administrator, building principal specifically, I really got into the art of public speaking. I, I enjoy it. I, I like um, speaking publicly. I, I got really into it deep. Uh, and so I started speaking on school culture, climate, leadership development, and idea development. 
uh, because that's pretty much what I was good at. Uh, and it grew, it grew, it grew. More people were asking me to speak, and I just did it on the side. You know, I would take a, you know, take a personal day here or there, weekends, uh-huh. you know, do things like that. And it kept growing and growing uh, so that when I, I was at a point where I was the superintendent of all these different charter schools overseeing them, I, you know, when I left there, I said, you know what, if I'm going to do this, now's the time to do it. So I stepped away and I started doing speaking, training, consulting full time. And so for the last three years, that's what I've been doing, speaking, training, consulting on school culture, climate, leadership development and idea development within schools. Uh, my speaking name, because I have a pseudo, a speaking name is Stan Paul Steve. Uh, and what I speak on really revolves around my Stan Paul philosophy. Uh, and it's all about how to stand tall and what it is that you do uh, as an educator. You know, it does not physically how tall you are. It's about a mindset. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's me. That's that's my that's my background. That's who I am. Awesome, awesome. Mm-hmm. You've had some wonderful years of different types of experiences, and mm-hmm. when you, I heard you talk about your creativity. And certainly running a school requires a lot of creativity in terms of you know, all the people that you're managing and um, ensuring that uh, children are educated at a certain level um, and being responsible for an entire district is uh, also a, a great opportunity to see the, the fruits of your labor. Um, yeah, so I, I'm just I'm impressed by that. And I know that you are a phenomenal speaker. So I just want to put that out here as we're as we're uh, going through this conversation and that um, this is a person that you should be looking up if you're looking for a speaker at your school as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to ask you um, in your work around education, um, how did you get so passionate about it? What was, what was, was there something in your childhood that drove you or what happened in your life that made this a passion for you? Well, it's, it's interesting you say that. It's actually a, a quite an interesting story. Um, specifically, I never thought that I'd be a teacher. It, it just was not in my purview. Uh, in growing up, my, um, my mother is a nurse. My father has a degree from Marshall University in mathematics and physics. And he worked for DuPont. So, you know, uh, n- there really aren't educators in my family. My grandmother, she used to uh, do some work at, at a school you know, as a teacher's aide, I believe, back in the day or whatever like that. So it really wasn't that. Um, I thought that I was going to either, I thought when I was growing up, I wanted to be a commercial artist. I wanted to eventually become an artist because I love art. I love drawing. I'm good at it. Um, so I said, you know what, I'm going to go to school for art, be a commercial artist or something to that effect. So one day when I was a senior, I said to my mom, you know what, hey, I'm going to go out. I'm going to shoot some hoops. That I, you know, I like to play a little basketball in high school. And then uh, when I come in, I'm going to apply to Kutztown University. We'll sit down and we'll do it. My mom's like, yeah, no problem. Okay, sounds good. So I go out. I, 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 you know, I start shooting some hoops and everything like that. And two kids kind of came up in the neighborhood. I lived in a cul-de-sac. So they said, hey, could we play basketball with you? I'm like, yeah, sure. Come on. So I said, how about this? Two of you versus me. And I can only shoot with one hand behind this line. We made a little line on the concrete, whatever like that. We were out there for like two hours, two and a half hours, just shooting, having a great time. I had so much fun with these kids. After we were done, I went inside and I said to my mom, I said, Mom, I think I might want to be a teacher. And she said, oh my goodness, thank goodness. (laughs) Oh, I was like, what? (laughs) 
she was like, she was like, oh, I'm so glad. And I'm looking at her like, are you kidding me? What? She says, you're a teacher. You've been a teacher. You've been an educator your whole life. But I said, well, why didn't you tell me? And she says, because if I told you, you wouldn't have done uh-huh. it. And she's right. She's absolutely right. And she's like, I said, does Kutztown, where I wanted to go to apply, I said, do they have art education? And they did. Actually, they're one of the, they're, they're ranked as one of the highest schools in the country in the area of art education. Yeah. They have a phenomenal program. Okay. It just so happened to turn out that way. So then we applied and everything. And then later on that, after that evening, my father came home from work and he said, tell your dad. I said, dad, yeah, I think I want to be a, a teacher. And he says, oh, thank goodness. Oh, my goodness. And he said the same <laughs> thing. So uh, once that happened, me, you know, playing basketball with these two boys uh, outside and they were little guys. It just, and I ended up, I had been a camp counselor and it just, you know, I look back, I've done everything around kids. I just light up around them. So my passion for education was always there. I just didn't realize it until I had that moment. Awesome. Yeah. That's when you're, when, when you're passionate about education, as I am, uh, it just shows in your work. Like it just blows from yeah. you and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I think that's so important um, as we go out to work with children. I'm going to actually shift the conversation because this just came to mind um so many young people are at home right now again because of the the COVID-19 um and I'm wondering since you're so creative what are some creative things you think children can do since they're home um I know they have different assignments coming from their schools but anything that you can think about that might be um beneficial or creative for them to do well, for the students, it's, it's, they are, I think with them, most students, they're used to connecting and interacting with others and their friends using social media, using electronics. And in turn, so as far as that's concerned, I think they're okay. But what is in turn is happening is now they're realizing the value of that human connectivity. Uh, because they're not getting that. Right. Um, yes. So it, it, that's the hard part for them now, is they're realizing what it is that us old people have been saying all along, is that you need to have, you know, you can't do everything through the phone, everything through technology. So for them, it's kind of a wake-up call reverse from what it is that we're dealing with, which is now we're, we're forced to utilize this technology a lot more to make this connection and everything like that. So um, as far as the young people are concerned, you know, if you have, if they have siblings, you know, if you're in a house where you have siblings, make nice, you know, make nice with your siblings. <laughs> I know a lot of times, I'm serious, it's, it's the value of having siblings in a situation in a time like this is huge. Instead of, you know, because a lot of times you get, you know, you get cooped up with them. Oh, I'm starting to be sick of them. No, you got to find ways to make nice with your siblings if you have them, because that's your human contact. That's your connectivity. Find opportunities just to sit in the same room together, watching TV, do some things that are more uh, aligned in that way. Uh, For those who do not have those siblings or have those, you know, extra uh, uh, people around, uh, you got to cherish those those moments where you you have that connectivity. You got to value that more. There's a lot of fun things that can be done at home. You know, everything from board games to scavenger hunts in the house, and you know all those type of things. Uh, and also set a routine. 
you got to get a routine that is consistent because if you break down your routine and you don't have a routine, that's going to drive you stir crazy a little bit more. You got to have a routine. Uh, a little thing that I just with, with my own kids, I have I'm living in a house with three teenagers right now. God, God wow, knows. yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, 17, 15, and my baby girl's 12, but she'll be 13 soon. So I said to them, look, we're all going to be here. You're going to have work to do. You have things to do. Every day, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you need to be up, fed, dressed, and sitting in the dining room or wherever the workspace is that we have, ready to go by 9 a.m. Now, if you can do this on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you can sleep in till 10 and then get up and be ready to okay. go. Okay. So to a teenager, that's huge. Yeah. That's that, you know. Yeah. So thinking creatively that way understanding what teenagers are like, understanding what kids are like, the things that they want, and still set up those incentives to allow them to be successful. Yeah. Excellent. So the parent becomes uh, the teacher in a way. Um, yeah. And in the home. Um, mm-hmm. So what are, what are some new, I know you go out and you said you speak at a lot of schools. Um, are you encouraging instructors in terms of being more creative or being more motivated? And what would you say to that um, that teacher, that instructor that kind of is losing that motivation but needs some push, what are things that they could be doing as an instructor to be more motivating with their children, with their young people? Yeah. Um, again, this is, this is a, a different way for a lot of educators. You know, so there's a lot of educators who are starting to use Google Classroom or, uh, you know, technology ways to give them, um, you know, their lessons and they don't feel connected to their kids and they're going a little stir crazy because, you know, they may have younger ones at home that they are taking care of on top of trying to teach all of their own kids, uh, you know, to their, their students and such. And then that teacher guilt kicks in, you know, they end up having teacher guilt or administrative guilt. So the one thing that I think is really most important as it relates to that for them is you need to set up a schedule for yourself. You need to have office hours. Seriously, like wow. these are my office hours. You set up this time. This is my time that I'm going to focus on my kids. This is my time that I'm going to focus on my school kids. This is my office hours where you're leaving me alone. Everyone's leaving me alone. And I can focus on lesson planning. I can focus on answering emails. I can focus on um, professional development for myself. Maybe you just need the time to shut the door. It's sit in the dark and cry. I mean, whatever it is, you need to have office hours. And to leave it up to chance that that's going to happen, don't do that. It needs to be scheduled. There's nothing wrong with developing a sensible, realistic schedule that you can follow now in your home. That's how, you know, when you, for people who work from the from out of the house, so that's one of the things that I'm starting to do now, you know, because I'm not in a building every day, I'm, I'm working out of my house. You have to set a schedule and you don't lie to yourself. Right. Keep that schedule. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing that, you won't go stir crazy. You'll, 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 you'll be able to muster it through better. But even when you have your office hours, then you can schedule what are you going to do during that office hour. All right, because let's say you set up an office hour of, you know, 4 to 5 p.m. That's your office hours. Now you go to your quiet space, your room, or hide out in the bathroom, whatever it is you're going to. Now you're there, and right. you sit, okay, okay, 
okay, I, I, you know, you're all stressed because now, okay, I got this time. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Whoa, whoa. Take a breath. Mm-hmm. Plan ahead of time what you're going to do within your office hours so that it's productive and valuable. Excellent. That's really important. Excellent. Thank you so much. That's just wonderful, yeah. wonderful advice. It's, it's funny. It reminded me of, of my own um, upbringing. We were, there were six of us. There's still six of us. Uh, but my, my mother was alive. She, um, she would have a quiet time when she came home from work. Uh, that time was generally between 5 and, and 6.30 that no one could ask her any questions. She would mm-hmm. go to her room and gather herself, uh, take a nap. And mm-hmm. it was a great idea because she literally was the right, you know, the right person at that point. She had enough rest to deal with all the questions mm-hmm. that we had and find out what we're doing for the day. Um, right. Right. So I think we all need that that getaway time to center ourselves to mm-hmm. you know, organize and to plan. Um, There's that old saying: those uh, who fail to plan are planning to fail. So yeah. just having that plan, having or, and you're 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 also exemplifying to your children what it means to manage your time in the plane. Yeah, yeah, you're setting that example. What is most one of the things that I speak on directly is about uh, respect and value. What is it that you respect and value? What is most important to you in your world, in your job, in your space, whatever it is that you have to do? So the same thing applies with everybody being home right now. What do you respect and value? What is most important? And one of the things that should be at the top of that list is your sanity. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Your sanity is something that you should respect and value. And by you respecting and valuing your sanity, therefore, it's like, well, what can I do to maintain my sanity? I need a minute. That's how I <laughs> respect, you know, uh, you know, have respect my, my, my uh, sanity is because I need a minute. I know I need a minute. So therefore, I'm going to make sure that I schedule that minute so we can get together. And if you're right, your mother was on top of it. I'm telling you, that, that makes so much sense. Some of you, some people, usually you uh, you have a, a, a commute, all right? Like some people commute to work and back. Right. Um, you don't have that commute anymore. Your commute is, is, is walking into your dining room. Your commute is walking through your basement. Your commute is walking into your office. Your commute is walking through your kitchen table. So you may need to find time because there's something that happens to you when you have that commute. You're de-stressing, you're refocusing, you're doing that, the other. So schedule those office hours, schedule that me time, schedule something so that you can recenter yourself to be able to be the best that you can be. You're absolutely right on that. Yep. So this this is kind of a two-phase question. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about motivation. So. I'm thinking from uh, the teacher's perspective, what can a teacher do to keep their young people motivated? And also as a parent, because sometimes uh, the parent is hearing from the the teacher at the school that their child is not motivated, um, but they don't know what to do. And the teacher is struggling with that student as well. So are there any tips or strategies that, that you found that work when the child doesn't seem to have the motivation to learn? Yeah, see, here's the thing with motivation. Um, I truly believe you, nobody can motivate anybody. That's impossible. You just can't do it. 
Motivation is internal. Only you can motivate you. What I can do is I can put up influence to try to become you to be motivated to do what's necessary. For a perfect example, my, my, my oldest daughter's room is not that. It, 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 it looks like a teenage girl just went to town in that place. Yes. <laughs> I, I have set up, I tried to say to her, hey, if you clean up, you know, you could, you know, we'll give you this, or you have this, or you have those certain things, whatever. But if she's not motivated to do it, it doesn't matter what I do. She has to internally want to do that. That's that motivation. So when it comes to the leadership of parents, the leadership of teachers, the leadership of school administrators, the thing that we need to focus on is influence. What's our level of influence? How can we influence them to increase that level of motivation? So that could be a very difficult thing. Now, if students are not wanting to, to uh, you know, do the work, especially now, let's say you're, you're home, the kids get work, they don't want to do the work, they're home, whatever like that, set up a space. You have to say, you have to set up a culture within your house, within your that allows them to move towards, moving towards doing the work and being more motivated to make sure that it's done. So for example, let's say you're in your house and you know, one of the things that I told my kids, you will not do any schoolwork in your bedroom. Mm-hmm. No, all homework will be done at this table over here or in the office. So therefore you're setting up a feeling, an environment, a culture around this space. Your environment focuses on that. I took out some of the pictures and stuff that are in the dining room area. So there's less distraction. I, you know, your environment of where they're working. So if you, let's say you don't have a big space or a big area for them to work on, your house isn't that big. You may have to make some sacrifices with this. If it's going to be the kitchen table, turn off the TV. You know, let's focus on this. This is what the space is going to look like. You know, and when you're done doing that work, clean up the space, reorganize the space so it's reset for the next time. And that will lead them closer to being a little bit more motivated to get some of that work done because this is the space for learning. When you're doing it in school, let's say that we're back in school and kids are not focused on what needs to be done. It's a matter of routine and focusing on the positive. Because a lot of times what we do is we talk to students when they don't do something right. You're not getting this done. You're not getting this work done. You know what you need to do, this, that, the other. As opposed to when they do something, hey, way to go. Oh, my goodness. Look at you. This is the best. Man, how are you? As opposed to focusing on the negative. Right. There's there's one thing, if I may. There's one thing that I I, I tell the teachers. Um, It's called daytime DJ voice, nighttime DJ voice. Daytime DJ voice, nighttime DJ voice. The nighttime DJ, what does the nighttime DJ sound like? He sounds like, hey, it's a quiet storm. Everybody gets even nice and soft, mellow, right? Right. Daytime DJ voice, what is that like? Especially your morning DJ. Hey, 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 good morning, everybody. Everybody's excited. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Boom and exciting. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. When it comes to talking to students, motivating students, getting them focused on whatever needs to be done. Are you using your daytime DJ voice or your nighttime DJ voice? A lot of times what we do is we use our daytime DJ voice for the negative. And we use our nighttime DJ voice for the positive. Perfect example. Students not doing what they're supposed to. They're not getting any work done. You know you need to get this work done. Come on, let's get focused. What do you think you're doing? Are you going to get refocused? Now, you're using the wrong tone. 
Right. And if the student does something well, what do we do? Good job. We use our nighttime DVA voice to say good job. Mm-hmm. You know? You need to switch that. If the student is not doing what they're supposed to do, use your nighttime DJ voice. Hey, I need you to refocus. What are you doing here? That's not what we're supposed to be doing. What? And then when they're doing what they're supposed to do, hey, 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 look at this. Way to go. I'm proud of you. I like what you're doing there. By switching those things up, it could mean so much. And you don't have to tell the kids you're doing this. It's just a natural reaction, just a natural way of doing things because kids want to see adults hyped up. They do. They, they do. do. Yes. They do. So you, let's only see that they will only get that experience of seeing you get hyped up when they're doing the right thing. Yes. That's, that's the difference. Excellent. You know? I, I, this put to mind um, my children in middle school and high school as they started to get older, they would say to us as parents, like, we don't really need you to show up for this event or that event. And uh, we would always show up. We would just ignore them. <laughs> right, and, right, right. And it was so funny because they would always be looking in the audience to see if we were there. Yeah. You know, that they're saying they don't need us. So mm-hmm. it is true. The way that you're investing in your child, even when they say they don't want you, they really do want your presence. Yeah, they do. They yeah, they do. Engagement mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. what they're doing in their life because they see the other children in this school with their parents there. And, um, it definitely drives them. So just having yeah. the, that uh, excitement. And one of the things that we also, we have done, just like you're saying, is we are our children's biggest cheerleaders. If nobody yeah. else cheers for them, we as parents, I have a daughter right now that's working on her PhD at Northwestern U- University, and we're still her biggest cheer- cheerleaders. Oh, yeah. All the oh, stuff. Yeah. You know, she tells us what her grades are and she, she's we're excited. And so I think yeah. you're right. When you bring energy into something, you get that same thing back. It's almost like mm-hmm. reflecting in the mirror. And you yeah. look at the yeah. mirror, you're getting the same reflection back that you're giving to your child or the student that you're teaching. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it is. If you're constantly pushing out negativity, you're constantly pushing out what they're not doing right. You're constantly pushing out frustration that you're having with them. Guess what you're going to get back? You're mm-hmm. going to get frustration. You're going to get negativity. You're going to get, and then you're going, it's a continual cycle. But if you're going to highlight and go above and beyond for when they do the right thing, they're going to start showcasing, hey, hey, look what else I've done. Ooh, wait a go. I like you. Hey, that's it. And get your ego out of it. Oh my goodness. Get your ego out of it. A lot of times they disrespected me. Those kids are just, Oh, whoa, whoa. You know, I'm offended. Look, offense is a choice. Mm-hmm. You have a choice whether or not you're going to be offended. You, no, no, I don't have a choice. Yes, you do. Either you can let it bother you, you cannot let it bother you. It is a choice. Offense is 100% a choice. So you can choose how your response is going to be. And depending on how your response is, it depends on how your students are going to ultimately react what it is that you're doing, whether they're going to be motivated or unmotivated to move yeah. forward in the direction that they want to go in, that you would like them to go going. And it's the same in working with college-level students. Mm. Uh, I, I will say to them that, and I'm in the College of Engineering, mm. that you can't change the, the faculty person, but you can change your response to the, ch- the faculty person. <laughs> Hello. Control yeah. them. But control mm. the things that you are in control of things that you have power to have influence over so i think that that's that's really important in terms of 
um, their direction as students and, a, and a, their ability to achieve their goals. Right. Let me ask you this. I know we're not, you know, again, parents aren't in school uh, and students aren't in school like they normally are. But um, one of the things I think is important is parents connecting with schools. And I wanted to hear from you, like, what are some of the ways, that, since you've been in a number of different types of school districts, what are some of the best ways that parents can connect with the school that will benefit their young person? Well, the, the, a big piece for the parents is to, to really get involved with whatever's going on. Uh, the PTA, PTOs, homeschool uh, networks that they have within the schools, they are hugely beneficial, hugely beneficial. It's not always just about um, bake sales and cutesy things. When they have their meetings, 99% of the time, there's an administrator or somebody who's there who's representing the school. You get the inside scoop on what's going down on what's going on mm-hmm. in the schools and such um, with the teachers, uh, with, with your, your, your uh, teachers. You can email the teacher at any time and say, hey, can you give me a, I'm doing a check-in. How's he doing? What's going on? You're allowed to do that. And guess what? If you do that, they will get back to you with that check-in. Even if the check-in's like, it's all good. We're great. That, thank you very much. And I understand nowadays we have Genesis, we got PowerSchool, we have these data systems that allow you to check their grades and everything like that. But we also understand it's more than just the grade. It's mm. their, you know, how are they doing with relationships in the classroom? How are they doing with their stress level? You know, there's all these different things. You as a, as a parent, you're allowed to do a check-in. Check in on you. Check in with the teacher. Hey, doing a check-in, seeing what's going on with everything. So. Being a part of that is huge. There's multiple ways that, you know, schools, they send out newsletters and things like that. But getting involved is vitally important. Even when, uh, you know, because a lot of times the higher up the grades they go, the less involved the parents are. Right. The parents are, you know, they, they get to high school, they're not saying, they're not connecting as much, not saying as much. You still need to do that. Do those check-ins. Hey, how's everything going? You know, and those kinds of things. Even if you are talking to your own children and finding out things, they'll do it. They'll do it. It's, it's right. You, you as a parent don't want to be surprised when you see the grade. No, hello. Versus mm-hmm. that period. And I've mm-hmm. seen, I've seen parents that wait until the grade comes. Yeah. But really, it's the parent that's proactive, that's engaged, that's meeting with the or talking to the instructor through emails. Um, mm-hmm that is going to have an opportunity to invest in helping their child to do well in the school, whatever is assigned. Um, you know, I've seen, again, the, the child had a project to do. Well, the parent didn't know that the project, the child had a project to do, and it just got later and later and later. Yep, yep, no, yep. Does your child procrastinate on things? And now they got a lower grade because they turned it in late when they actually could have done it on time. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, knowing that, so you, and having a conversation with the teacher, you could then ask them, "Are there any projects or assignments that are due?" And then you can they can say to you, "Yeah, there's a project that's due in two weeks. Did you know that?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, exactly. So I think those. What are the things now with um, a lot of schools have Google Classroom and things like that? Mm-hmm. I know with with my my oldest, I have it set up so that I get the updates. You know, when new assignments or the weekly whatever is coming in, 
it goes right to my email too. Now, I'm not a part of the class, but whatever the updates are, the assignments are, I know all about it. It's not a secret, you know? So, and a lot of times as parents, especially when they get older and older, they're getting older. I, I shouldn't have to this, that, and the other. You know, I shouldn't have to stay after them, this, that, and the other. There's adults who can't do it right. That's true. You know, th- you know there's adults who can't do this right. What makes you think a 16, 17, 15, 14, 12 year old kid's going to get it right? Come on, be a parent, step yeah. up, be involved, be all up in their grill, be all up in their stuff, right? And then when they leave, they go to school or they go, and I know you may think, well, they're going to get you so used to me, this, that, and the other, doing this stuff. You don't have to be that way. And you can still check in. You can still see how they're doing with things. And so then when they go off on their own, they'll know those practices. And when they don't do what they're supposed to, they'll feel it even more because you have been the one that was there a little bit. And then they'll learn from that even better and be be, be better on the back end. Right. And you're giving them, um, you're preparing them for independence. By yeah, you le- are. Oh, that, the, that you, there's a level of accountability. Uh, mm-hmm in terms of getting things done. But if there's no other point that a parent gets from listening to this or a teacher, um, I would like to say that that point of, you can actually get information coming to you, flowing to you from the teacher. uh, Mm -hmm. If you get on their email list, uh, so you know what all the assignments are, that will be of help to you. It's, it's, It's actually directed to you to make sure that you have maybe even a calendar where you're putting down these things at home so you're right. what needs to be done uh-huh. and it helps your child to perform well in school and and do the things that are necessary to be successful and that's the word i wanted to to bring to you right now um, is the whole idea of what what are some of the elements of successful schools the elements of successful schools the, the, the one thing uh, that's a great question it really is um the big element, I believe, that, that the schools that are, are most successful, because there's a lot of different, you know, definitions of what success is. Each school, you know, one school's success may be, look, we have a, a, a we moved a 72% attendance rate to a 90% attendance rate, where somebody else, it might be like, you know, we, our graduation rate is, somebody else, it might just be, you know, we feed them. But whatever that might be, I feel that the, the most important thing as it relates to a successful school is having a clear understanding of what it is you respect and value. What does this school respect and value? What is most important? And does everyone know that? And by knowing that, do you live it? And if everyone has a common vision, common understanding of what you respect and value in a school, that culture and climate revolves around that, that's when you start maximizing what's happening in your building and you start making that growth and you get great outcomes. Everyone understands that. I know that if you go to, I've been to many, many schools and I've worked uh, consulting wise, where I've worked over a whole year's time working with administrators, working with schools. And one of the things I do is I ask people, what is the, what do you, you know, what do you respect and value in this school? And I get like 50 different answers. Wow. Nobody, you know, everybody, they're all positive things that are said, but uh-huh. they, they don't know it. So it's very important that they have a common understanding of what it is that you respect and value. And then you live that through everything that you do. The climate and culture 
is so vitally important as to the educational outcomes, the instructional outcomes, all those type of things. You need to have that environment that allows for that to happen. So with, with saying that, the, the, developing that climate and culture, the culture is really nothing more than tradition. Culture is a fancy word for tradition. Okay. That's really what it is. Because the culture is what do you continually do on a day-to-day basis? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what is that culture like on a day-to-day basis? What are you doing? What is your, is your, your, your schedule? Does that revolve around what you respect and value on a day-to-day basis? Is your events that you have, does it reflect what you respect and value on a day-to-day basis? Is, you know, all, how do you talk to each other on a day-to-day basis? Does that revolve around what you respect and value? You see how everything connects with that respect and value? Right. And that develops your culture. On, you know, everything needs to connect and does it represent that? Mm-hmm. Then when you talk about climate, climate is basically how you feel. You, your feelings, your emotions in the school. And your feelings and your climate, the emotions that you have in your school, they can change throughout the year. The climate on the first day of school is a lot different than the climate um, before state testing. The climate in your school is different before winter break uh, than it is just before graduation. You know, so your, your, your climate can change hour by hour. So when you're looking at your climate and the feel of the building, it is a direct reflection of your culture. So the daily things that you're doing in your building, if it's connected to what you respect and value, the closer that it's connected to what you respect and value, the more aligned your climate, the feel of the building will be. It won't be wiry and all over the place and high and low and feeling bad and all that nut mess. You gotta connect your culture. If you can connect your culture to what you respect and value, then your climate is correct, and then you can get those results and outcomes that it is that you want to have happen. That's how it works. Those are the most successful schools that are out there. And I think that what the thing that ties into that, then the children that leave your school carry the outcome of your culture and climate. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. It frames their mindset of education, yeah. Exactly. And, and so when that child leaves a system and again, by the time they're going to high school, they're thinking about dropping out. It's because they've had so many different types of experiences in terms of the cultures and climates that they've been in that have not driven them to be you know, excited about the learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that that's an, an important just to reflect on, you know, where where everything in this in that culture is in agreement. And that's yeah, moving, yeah. moving young people forward within the system. Yeah, well, exactly. well I, I don't want to make this too long of a, this has been wonderful. We might have to have a part two. <laughs> to the there top. you go. Uh, but this yeah. is just a start conversation. I really appreciate your time. I wanted you to, to share the last few minutes, tell a little bit about your business and what you do. And um, again, how people can get in contact with you. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, so uh, again, my my name is Steve Bowler. I'm also known as Stan Tall Steve. If you go to um, stantallsteve.com, that is my website. Um, and from there, you can, you can learn everything you need to know about me. There's video, there's all kinds of things about that. Um, I work directly with schools, school leaders. 
Um, I have multiple different programs. Uh, I have programs on classroom management. I got a program on stand tall leadership. I got a program on ideas, ideas, ideas. And I can personalize anything for schools to help them uh, do better at what it is that they do. Um, I do have two books out already called Ideas, 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 a collection of ideas to improve the climate culture of your school. And then the second book is called Ideas, 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 Rally Edition. And it teaches you how to, do, to create an academic pep rally. Uh, so it's like a pep rally for sports, but it's for academics and behavior. Uh, I have another book that's going to come out in August called Stand Called Leadership. And a lot of what you and I spoke about today is going to be in that book, Climate and Culture, uh, Respect and Value, uh, Nighttime uh, DJ Voice, Daytime DJ, all that stuff is in that book. And it, it really helps uh, school leaders uh, create those amazing, amazing schools uh, and what they can do to make that happen. So, yeah, that's, that's it. Uh, Stanpolfeed.com. I have uh, coming up, it's starting, uh, what is it? It's starting on March 30th. 2020 all the way through April 20 April 20th every Monday and Wednesday night at 7 p.m. I'm having a educational leadership virtual summit so it's a, a summit it's 7 p.m. Eastern time March 30th all the way through April 20th every Monday and Wednesday night and it's gonna be me for one hour along with an, uh, an additional educator talking about different things to provide free 100% free PD anyone who logs on. So just go to my website and you can learn more about that. You can log in and that. And I'd love to work with you. There you go. Awesome. And I'm excited because I know that you and I are going to be doing some things together yeah. uh, as far as speaking and developing programs. So yeah. this is a start to that conversation. So I want to thank Steve, Stan, Tall Steve for yeah. coming on today. This has been a wonderful conversation. Certainly, uh, you can connect with me, Dr. Stephen Jones, at my website, drstephenjones.net. And uh, you can contact me there. Uh, feel free to call me at 610-842-3843. Thanks very much and look forward to the next conversation. You too. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome.